and on his his sheet, you know, that they send in to tell you what your weight is and all that stuff for the for the outfit, he writes on there that he wants to kill a three hundred and seventy inch bull. But every <laughs> elk hunter alive wants to kill that. He'd never been on an elk hunt. Yeah. And we end up killing a three forties class bull and he apologized to me right there on the spot. He said, I had no idea what I wrote when I wrote that down and how physical this is mm-hmm. at times and how how much of a quality animal a 320, a 330, a 340 is versus a 370 exactly. that everybody that's ever elk hunted just dreams. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits i've been on a big board for a while i can load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler take it to a field across the creek up a big old Wise Eye presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. We are in the studio. We've been running wide open all day today. We've been to Eagle Seed headquarters, Wayne. In Wiener, <laughs> Wiener Arkansas. Arkansas. Wiener, Wiener, Arkansas. We've got a great show lined up, as always. And this subject matter this week is going to be elk hunting. We've got a elk hunting guide, an old friend of mine, Ryan Caps. From Missouri, that guides out west every year has been guiding for over 20 years now, I believe. Is that right, Ryan? Yes, sir. Over 20 years. He's a Lebanon, Missouri boy, and this boy is an elk master. And we're going to dedicate this show to an old friend of ours that that him and I both uh, was very fond uh, to our hearts and a good friend and probably, in my opinion, the best elk hunter I've ever hunted with my life, Jimmy Hill. And we're going to talk about that during this show. But uh, the first part of the show here, we're going to talk about current events. Then we're going to have Ryan on segment two with us. Hang with us here. What about those Cardinals, Redbone? The Cardinals are on fire. They lost one game to Chicago, and they beat them to death last night. I think our high school team could have beat Chicago last night. Yeah, well, I doubt that, but... Uh, well, I don't. Why are you Card- so negative? Cardinal- Why don't you say I'm something? Not being, I'm not well, being I negative. Don't. Yeah, you are. I'm just telling you, your high school team. I've seen Liberty High School. Negative, don't I, you? I've seen the Liberty High School team play. They can't beat. The Watch it. <laughs> It's not good. I'm waiting for the catch. I was sitting over here going, there's going to be a catch to this. Well, you know, don't be. Don't, hey, you're, yeah, you're, you're, trust me, you're getting fans every day by saying stuff like that. Well, there's not a high school team in the in the United States that would beat the Cardinals, not on a regular basis. I didn't say the no. Cardinals. I meant to Chicago. Well, the, the Cubs either. They're professional. They played they're terrible. Well, they're prof- they beat Cardinals 2 nothing. Ryan, did game. you watch it? 
Listen to everybody. I did not get to see it down here. Been busy. You've been busy in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, he's in Oklahoma. Well, they still have TV down there, don't they, Ryan? You could have watched it. (laughs) (laughs) They do if you pay for it. Yeah, well, you got the money. You're an elk hunting guide. This this conversation would have taken a different turn and different answer if we were talking about the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I hate them, too. (laughs) Or the Browns. Well, I hate them. Anybody can beat the Browns. Actually, the Cleveland Indians no longer exist. They'll always be the Indians. They're, they're the guardians now. Yeah. We, have, we have to come. We have to come to grips oh, with that. Oh. And, and just let me say this: those Cardinals are pretty good for a 500 ball club. <laughs> I knew that was coming. They was a 500 club 10, 15 games ago. No, no, they weren't. When you said that, they were seven games over 500, and now they're 20 well, games. They were still 500. a 500 team. Now they're 20. Now they're now, now they gain my respect. First place, now. but they still have yeah. pitching problems. No. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, they don't. The new, the new guy. Galigos makes got... me cringe every time he walks to the mound. Galigos is an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, Gallego. Uh, Whatever. Well, yeah, correct me. Why don't you? He's, he's trying to make himself look good on radio. No, I know he's what he's doing. He's one of doing. the best closers in the game, and the starting pitching is now fantastic. The Thompson kid I they agree got, with that. The, the Thompson kid they got from the Yankees is now 4 0 as a Cardinal, has an ERA <laughs> under one. Yeah. Wow. Now, the Quintana kid is. With three and one now, it is eating up innings, and you know Michaelis and Wainwright are just doing their thing. Yeah. Well, I, I Michaelis and Wainwright, they got my love, and Montgomery, I have respect for him. Uh, Hudson, I don't respect. Gallegos, yeah, well, Hudson's him. been benched. So. Hicks, Hicks, I think Hicks is the fastest pitcher they got. Thing a hundred, hundred. No, actually, Helsley is the fastest. Helsley, Helsley. Yeah, but he's on the injured list. He has my respect. Yeah. So anyway. Wayne Go Cardinals. Hey, football season is kicking off here. Different subjects. Football season, high school football season is kicking off. Liberty Eagles face Stratford Indians. Uh, who does Thayer play? Uh, we play Lynn, Missouri. First Lynn, time Missouri. first time they played football at Lynn High School since 1976. Wow. wow. Well, that's awesome. We want to uh, congratulate all the high school teams that's going out this week. Cape Girada, Missouri, Saxton, all that area over there. Uh, Popper Bluff, uh, Lebanon, Missouri, Ava, Missouri, uh, Salem, Missouri, Rolla, all the schools are wishing all the best of luck. Yeah, don't get the Arkansas school start this week. Arkansas, oh yeah, all the Highland, all those schools, Mountain Home. They got, I hear Mountain Home's going to have a team, Redbone. I think they're going to be pretty good, yeah. Third year of the Steve Airy Project, so usually that's the year that it happens. Yeah. What's that noise I'm hearing? His phone. Oh, you, you, you must be making noise in the background. Are you working or something, Ryan? Uh, well, I'm out here picking up my stepson from football practice. Where oh, I'm okay. yeah, well, I hear football. all kinds of background noise. I don't know what it is. Like, uh, it's probably wind. Is it wind? <laughs> yeah. He's walking on artificial turf. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about the Chiefs. Then we're going to get into the subject matter of elk hunting. We're going to educate the people. How do people get ready? If you're not ready, man, (laughs) there's people already elk hunting right now as we speak. The bulls are bugling, uh, starting to bugle. We're going to talk about that. Let's talk about the Chiefs again real quick. Uh, The Chiefs won their last game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty easy. Well, and well, and as this show airs, they played Thursday night too. They played the Packers. Obviously, yeah. we're recording on Wednesday. We don't know how that came out, but yeah, sad week this week in the Chiefs' kingdom. It is. Yeah, it when, is. Wednesday morning, the announcement was made that the 
that the the old broadcaster and and Hall of Fame quarterback Lynn Dawson passed away. Yeah. He sure did. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Eighty seven years old. Yeah. You know, great quarterback back through the uh, the late sixties and the seventies. Super Bowl MVP in nineteen seventy. Uh, I started watching Chiefs football in about sixty seven or sixty eight. He was my favorite. Hmm. Yeah. Can you imitate him? No. Yeah. Wouldn't even try. Out of can respect. you do Harry Carey? I can do a Harry Carey. Do a Harry Carey. Do a Harry Carey real wouldn't, quick. Wouldn't do it out of respect. No, you're not doing that. You know, one time I called Harry Carey's restaurant in Chicago, many, many years ago, probably 35 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, I can speak to Harry, please. And they put him on the phone. He was at the restaurant. They took the phone over there and said, Harry, I want to talk to you. I got to talk to Harry Carey just for a couple of minutes. Wow. Well, do me a Harry Carey real quick. Respectfully. Oh, Harry Carey. Uh, golly, what would Harry, K- Harry Carey say? He'd say, uh, holy cow, it's a home run. <laughs> <laughs> he heard that all the way out in Oklahoma, man. Yeah. 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 Wait a minute. Harry was a great one. He was. We got a great show lined up. It's food plot planting time. Some people's already got the seed in the ground. We're getting ready to put our seed in the ground at the Rutledge Farm, the Lock Farm, uh, Red Bones Farms wherever he hunts, et cetera. I've got seed. Anybody wants seed, get a hold of me ASAP. It's going to go quick. And we, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got Ryan Caps from Lebanon, Missouri, elk hunting guide that's going to educate people on how to outsmart these smart bulls. Well, no matter where you're at, don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Wishing on some luck. I've been on a big board for a while. I like load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to our- Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Bug Grits presents... Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. Alex Rutledge. Do you like my radio voice? Buck Chris presents. It's like you, like Darth, it? you change it to Darth Vader every time. Oh, you, Darth you... Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do Harry Carey, unrespectfully. Neither did he. Buck Ritz. Yeah, Buck Ritz. He gets, anyway, real, he gets real low, Buck Ritz. Yeah. From the diaphragm. Buck Ritz. We've been friends a long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan Caps, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, Ryan Caps, who is Ryan Caps? Tell everybody who Ryan Caps is. I uh, just uh, a guy that's born and raised around Lebanon, Missouri, and went out west in the mid '90s and fell in love with the mountains, and pretty much been guiding hunts out there ever since. So you went to school, born and raised right there in Lebanon, Missouri, uh, and you went to school at Lebanon. Did you play sports there? 
Yeah, I played baseball uh, all the way out through high school. Uh, I loved football, but I was kind of skinny, so I, I didn't do very good past seventh grade. Past seventh grade. So, so your no, root, I wasn't fast. Yeah. So your roots are in Lebanon, Missouri. Your dad lives there now, and he he has a car dealership, right? Yeah, DNL used cars. Him and my uh, stepbrother Brandon are they're in it big time. You know, the car business been going crazy here in the last well since COVID. Huh. So, so your brother, man, he's he's well known for his light model dirt track racing. Yes, sir. Yeah, they've. Uh, They've been at it for a bunch of years, bunch of years. They've been taking a break here lately. Uh, they got out of, I don't even know what the class is. It's kind of an old school late model dirt car uh, like Dad used to drive before he retired. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it just goes back in time, and they're limited on what they can use on uh, yeah. suspension set, set up. <clears throat> That's awesome. So you see everybody, the roots, they're into the things that we love here in the Midwest, dirt track racing hunting fishing and uh lebanon missouri boy so who took you out west who got you involved out west well that was our buddy jimmy that uh just left us too soon uh he uh he'd went out in the mid 90s the year or so before i did and uh and guided for an outfitter and and uh we were working construction and one summer and he said i think i'm going to go guide again this year and you ought to come with me so that's uh that's how it got started so so jimmy hill introduced you to elk hunting uh your first elk and and whether you know this or not uh jimmy was my second hunt i ever done with anybody elk hunt and we'll talk about that but it's pretty cool to know that our mutual friend both got us kind of involved in elk hunting yeah it is it is and i didn't know anything uh and that's what I told him. I said, I don't know anything about elk hunting. He said, he said, Brian, we grew up here in the Ozarks calling turkeys. He said, it's just like calling turkeys, but they can smell. Yep. And if you know anything about hunting and hunting setups and getting your wind right, that's, uh, that was where I started. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're going to share some stories about Jimmy Hill as we progress here. But we also want to educate our listeners. Let's talk about some things right now. With with people that's going out west wanting to go elk hunting, what are some of the things they need to do pre- to prepare going out west? Ah, uh, well, of course you need to be shooting your bow if you're going this time of uh, this early. But uh, you know, if you're coming rifle hunting, you need to know your equipment. That's probably one of the biggest things is uh, someone that just grabs a gun out of the gun yeah. cabinet and goes and and they don't even know what they're doing. You know, they might have took two shots and. Uh, you really need to know that. Need to know your trigger. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of your shots are, you know, they sound sound far from a person back in the Ozarks there. But uh, you know, it's nothing to shoot three or four hundred yards at an elk, and and honestly, there's not much to that shot. But our average shots back home are, you know, might stretch out to 150 yards. Well, you That's know, awesome. I got a question then for you on that. You know, speaking of shooting. Uh, actually, it's a two-part question. One, what what kind of ammo are you guys shooting? And the second part is they always say you're supposed to practice like you hunt. But how do you practice thin air when you're here in the Ozarks? Well, how do you, that's how do you replicate one of the only that? things you, you can't really get uh, acclimated for until you get out there. And that's that's really a butt kicker for some people. You know, even even me, I'm 
mid-40s and perfect health, and I'll get out there, and it usually takes me three days to get my get my air. You know, some, some <laughs> people don't don't get through that. But back to the other question of ammo, uh, you know, mo- our most common calibers out there is probably a 300, and then you got some of the newer stuff around. A 6.5 Cremor <laughs> is uh, pretty average across the board now. There's a lot of those that come out that way. A lot of your hunters, if I may ask you, and Hornady's one of our partners, do you see a lot of hunters shooting Hornady ammunition when they elk hunt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. seen it a lot, to yeah. be honest. Well, Hornady you. makes a uh, lot of know, great you want, loads. You want a great performing bullet. Yeah. Hornady makes a lot of great loads for elk hunters. Uh, there's different types. You can go to the website, www.hornadyammunition.com. So check that out. But uh, Wayne, uh, Redbone's got a question for you here. Yeah, dude, you, talk you little, bet. Yeah, you talked a little bit about what, what calibers that you see. If someone came to you and said, I want to start help, start elk hunting, what gun do I need? And, of course, somebody I, I would assume is going to start, they're going to start with a rifle season. So what would right. you suggest as what caliber? Yeah, I don't want to say the ultimate elk hunting rifle, but uh, something that you see that you would suggest somebody buy. Yeah, well, I mean, it comes down to shot placement. Uh, but, I mean, 270 on up, really, uh, you know, you could go smaller than that. It's just shot placement. But, I mean, the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 7 Mag, 300, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those are those are pretty average across the board. They're, you know, they're making the 6.8 Western, uh, you know, just, just somewhere that mid-range. It don't have to kill on both ends, if you know what I mean. But, uh mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you don't want to be afraid of your weapon either. So, because a lot of times you're shooting off, you're either prone or shooting off shooting sticks. Yeah, we want to recap what we just talked about in this segment real quick before we go to a break. We got to go to a break here pretty quick. But uh, Jimmy touched, uh, Jimmy, uh, Ryan touched on uh, getting conditioned, uh, acclimating yourself, knowing your equipment, uh, knowing your your, your weapon, uh, knowing it and trusting it. You know, being prepared is a big part of being successful in going out west. Don't go out there without shooting your guns. And also, when you get there, you want to shoot your guns also out there because it's different than here because your bullet could rise or it could drop out there depending on what you're shooting. So check your equipment once you get to your hunt location as well. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll have more with Ryan Caps on getting ready to elk hunt in this series. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're hanging with me and my good buddy, Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. Across the creek up a big old hill Year after year Got my Hey guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put wait, some wait, extra wait. clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. A pair of hunting boots passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart. So you never got Eagle Seed presents. James, you like it? James Earl Jones is back. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's it? Eagle Seed presents. 
Eagle Seed presents American Roots Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we are in the studio. Redbone, Wayne, myself, and our special guest, Ryan Caps. This guy's been elk hunting over 20 years. Real quick question. How many bulls do you think you've seen uh, give it up in your lifetime? Just, I'm, you're not bragging, but being truthful, how many bulls have you seen die? Uh... I've wondered that question myself, and I would have to say it's probably between four and five hundred. There you go. Wow, that's what he does. He guides for twenty some years, from late August, early September, plumb into the end of December. Wow. Yes, so what's sir. the biggest one, Ryan? Do you know? Uh, well, that's to be determined. Really, one was busted up that should have averaged about four oh four. That's just a six by six, uh, but my biggest complete bull was a six by six that scored in the mid three eighties. Very respectable. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, is somebody that's never elk hunted, and Wayne's got the next question. Nobody, somebody that's never elk hunted before. What can they expect going out west? What should they expect? Uh, well, you, what you want to do is you want to do your homework with where you're going. Obviously, you know people. People watch a lot of TV, and some guys get to thinking it's easy when it's not out there. But it's uh, not. You know, if it's you not. if you don't do your homework, and you're going to a unit that doesn't have trophy quality animals in it, and you're holding out for something trophy quality, then you're probably wasting your time. Uh, you know, so a great expectation is go looking for a five by five bull, maybe a six by mm-hmm. five, and then work your way up. You know, if you're one of the lucky ones that. You steps out of the truck that morning and daylight breaks and you kill a monster, then then uh, God was you're on your side on that yeah, deal. And you're ruined. You're ruined. Yeah. Right. Now, right. now some people think that, that and, and I'm going to let you ask your question. I apologize. I just thought of this. Not all bulls are going to be bugling, depending on when you go out there. So keep that in mind. That's right. That's right, and it depends on the time of the year. Exactly. Sometimes you get some early stuff. We saw some good action last year early. Uh, right now, I mean, I leave Sunday to head west. Normally, I'm there by now doing an antelope hunt before my first archery hunt, but it's been monsooning out there, so we have totally different conditions that I'm going to this year versus last year. Last <laughs> year, was there's a little bit of late moisture, you get up on the high points, you see the green stretches, you know there's good feed right there, and that's where the elk were. You just find the closest water source to that, and you just start doing the easy math. You know, the mm-hmm. bedding's here, the water's there, the food's here. And uh, this year there's going to be food everywhere and water everywhere and tough conditions to get to them. You know, he brought up something that uh, you always preach about, Alex, and that is, you know, you're only as good as the dirt you hunt. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you may say, I'm going to go out and kill me a six-by-six six and that, but if, like you're, like you're saying, Ryan, if there's no six-by-six six on there, you can be holding out the entire trip and never see one. Um, so I, Well, I, and that, that, that's true, but then that's where, you know, if you're going on a guided hunt, then you have to fall back and rely a lot on your guide because he knows the area, he knows what he's been seeing or what he hasn't been seeing, and, uh, you know, a good guide's going to shoot you straight and say, well, yeah. I know, I know you're here and I know what you, you're, you're looking for or, uh, you know, or what a lot of guys paid for. They pay that money. They think they're automatically going to be guaranteed something big. Well, mm-hmm. that may not be what's in the cards with mother nature. So, yeah. uh, we, we do the best we can. And, and I call a lot of guys off, you know, I'm like, no, 
we, you know, we still got time. We can do better than that. Yeah. And, uh, and oftentimes we will. Well, and, and then a follow up question on that. You had said that, you know, you were, I was assuming when you were saying that people need to check out the zones that they're going to be hunting in, do some research in it. But you're talking about those that are going to be self hunting. Truly, a, a beginner. If I would, if I was being, actually, I am a beginner because I've never done it. But mm-hmm. if I were to do it, I wouldn't want to do a self hunt. I would want for my first one, yes, I, to be a guided hunt. You want to go with so a guide. Those guys need to actually research the guides and get you know references, find out their history, follow them on social media, see what they've done the last couple of years. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I think it's absolutely correct. And then just just for example, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Adam Greentree out of Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam hunted with me back in, I believe it was 2013, and, and on his his sheet, you know, that they send in to tell you what your weight is and all that stuff for the for the outfit, he writes on there that he wants to kill a 370-inch bull, but every <laughs> elk hunter alive wants to kill that. He'd never been on an elk hunt. Yeah. And we end up killing a 340s-class bull, and he apologized to me right there on the spot. He said, I had no idea what I wrote when I wrote that down and how physical this is mm-hmm. at times and how, how much of a quality animal a 320, a 330, a 340 is versus a 370 exactly. that everybody that's ever elk hunted just dreams of. Yeah. If I may, I want to add lib to what you guys just discussed. Uh, I can't tell you how many single hunters or people that say, I'm going to go out west, I'm going to go on my own. They've been going out west for four and five years and never killed an, a, a nice bull. I'm telling right. you, listeners, listen to me. I don't care where you're at. If you're going elk hunting, you've never been. Do your research. Do your homework. Get with a very respectable outfitter, a good guide. Every time I've been hunting, I've done my homework, and I've got hooked up with people like Ryan Caps, Jimmy Hill, uh, uh, Trophy Ridge Outfitters in S- South New Mexico, uh, Vince V. Hill, New Mexico Hunting Adventures. These guys sleep, eat, and breathe. They know where all the bulls are at. There's no guesswork, but it's not going to be easy. Be prepared to walk. You're going to do a lot of walking. We walked one day, 16 miles, we GPSed it. You better be in shape if you're going to bow hunt or muzzleload hunt because these elk travel. Keep that in mind. Spend the money, hunt with a guide. Yep. Redbone? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I I can't even imagine somebody being crass enough to say, I'm going to go out west on the elk hunt, and I'm going to go out do it on my own. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, to me, that just sounds ludicrous. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do crazy things, but even I'm not dumb enough to say, I can go elk hunting on my own. There's just no way. Physically, I couldn't do it anymore, but... Just the, the having to know the land and know what's out there and know the tricks and the trade, you're not going to learn that from just watching one or two videos. That you, again, like like he like he said earlier, people watch these videos and they think, oh, this is easy. It's, a, no, it's not. It's easy. It's not. I'll go do it. And then they, five they years were, later, they're they still looking for their first bull. Minutes and killed a three hundred and fifty inch <laughs> <Right>. elk. <laughs> yeah, that was easy. You want to go next year? No, it was too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to go to a break, everybody. Again, we got Ryan Caps, a very good friend of mine, and we're dedicating this show to our friend that passed away last week. Uh, he was shot, murdered, Jimmy Hill. We'll be right back with more right after this. 
Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Around your heart, so you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. If you have trouble getting your food plots to grow like you'd like for them to, I want to tell you about a product that can increase forage quality, increase plant size, plant health, nutrient availability in the plants, and whitetail nutrient intake as well. It's Nutriplot, the best bang for your buck. It's also got a wildlife attractant and food plot fertilizer in it. It's easy to spray. You can use your hand sprayer or an ATV sprayer. Nutriplot. Find more information at Nutra-Plot.com. Get more bang for your buck with Nutriplot. Nutriplot presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors segment four of the show. We got special guest Ryan Caps, a twenty-year-plus elk hunting guide, and man, he's giving some great information. Redbone Wayne, he's uh, helping people get prepared if they're going out west. And I think the biggest thing we've learned that sticks in my mind is that you know, research, do your homework. Don't go out there. Don't assume that there's elk there. You got to find these elk. Eddie Salter has made one of the best statements I've ever heard in my life. He said, Alex, if I had seven days to hunt, no matter what it is, I just soon spend five days scouting to find what I need to find before I actually hunt. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. You'll know you're hunting with a good guide if you're instantly on elk. If you're not with a good guide, you're going to spend those four or five days trying to find the elk or deer or whatever you may be hunting. So, I imagine the worst thing you want to hear out of your guide's mouth the first day is, well, they were here last year. Yeah. 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 So, so Ryan, when you get out there, you, you've got people out there that's already been glassing, watching, finding elk, and telling you where they're at. But you're also going to scout several days before you take your first hunters, too. Yes, yeah, no, I get out there, and I'm usually there three to five days prior to, but I've been guiding on that place since 2009, so not only do I know it like the back of my hand, but I have to also play catch-up, like I said earlier, on where the rain has deposited, if there has been any rain. You know, it's been so dang dry out there the last couple seasons. Uh, You know, water hole hunting, there wasn't any natural water. They just hit the uh, windmills and and the horns were brittle, and they'd just look at each other, and they'd fall off, you know, if they even thought about sparring. So, uh, but no, we're looking forward to it this year. Uh, they've had all the feed that they've needed. They should have an excellent horn growth this year. But, uh, no, I pre-scout. I get out there, and then, of course, uh, depending on what my client's looking for, I'm, I take a lot of repeat clients right now. So kind of know what they're uh, what they're wanting, and, and we'll sit, like like you said, Eddie said there, we'll, we'll sit three or four days looking for the right target bull before we really climb down and go go make an effort. Uh, a lot different than the than the places you and I and Jimmy used to hunt when uh, you get out of the truck door and it's a lot like turkey hunting, you know. And <laughs> they was bugling when you get out of the truck. They was uh-huh. on the elk. They was bugling when we'd get out of the truck. You boys had the bulls found. Well, that's good when it's like that because yeah. it, it takes all the guesswork out of it. Yeah. But what I meant was in some of that country that's real timbered and tight like that or oak brush, you know, you don't even need a set of binoculars. And, and uh, you get out and you're listening for them kind of like turkey hunting. 
uh, and where I'm at in West Central New Mexico right now, uh, we climb cinder, cinder cone volcanoes, and I'll be glassing six or seven miles. But like I said, I'm looking for that biggest target bull, and the, the, the place I'm guiding on is huge. It's still one of the biggest ranches in the state of New Mexico. But, you know, it when I find that bull, usually he's where I can get to him, mm-hmm. and then we make our game plan and, and uh, just start uh, trying to pick and choose our way in there. And, and I really like this first hunt coming up. If you can find a big bull, uh, I like to be that first cow call that he's heard because he's, He's, he's got it in the back of his mind, and he's wanting to he's wanting to gather those first two or three cows. Brian, did I understand you right uh, when you when you started talking there that that even when your hunter arrives in camp, you still spend a couple of days scouting before you actually go to the business of hunting? Well, I mean, it just depends if I if I've got the bull found from two days before. Mm-hmm. But you know that what people don't understand is when elk move. They move miles, yeah, and that's hard for people that go out to their, you know, they got a hundred acre farm and they got thirteen tree stands across the place, and they, <laughs> they watch this food plot or they go over to that one because the wind's different. Elk hunting, they move miles. So, yeah. back to the other segment when you said that, uh, you know, know your know your places and choose a guy. Just don't go wing it. I mean, when you're out there winging it, some people just get lucky, but. There used to be a place I hunted in Colorado, and the elk moved five miles every day from where they bedded to where they came down country all the way out to the flat to hit this field out by a county road. And then the next morning, it was five miles all the way back to their bedding area. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine, you just rolled in from the Ozark. You're standing there, and you're like, look at all these fresh elk droppings. Man, they're here somewhere. Well, they were, <laughs> but they're five miles away right now. And, and until you understand their habits, you're out there, uh, you know, just you're out there just winging it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I imagine, Ryan, not only are you scouting for elk those first couple of days, but you're probably also scouting who you're guiding. You're probably looking at this person saying, okay, well, let me test him out. Is this somebody I'm going to have to carry out of the woods? Yeah. How far can I go with this hunter? Yeah. Because you probably get guys that don't show up that are not in shape and they just didn't prepare good for it. So I imagine those yeah. are not the guys you're going to hike in 18 miles because you know you're going to end up having to carry them out. That is that's very true. And, and you don't know. I mean, everybody talks a good game until you get them out there and they actually feel, you know, that, they're light-winded now. You know, there's not as much oxygen, and so it's not carrying as much oxygen to your muscles, and they start breaking down earlier. And, and uh, you know, you just try to try to stay with them or tell them, hey, do, I'll go at your pace. You know, just keep with me. And, uh, you know, and it all depends on country you're guiding. You know, if it's physical and it's steep, and uh, you're not going to get very far with guys like that. Right. Once that lactic acid takes over on your muscles, you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I went to Colorado. I was hunting with Story Creek Outfitters, the Menengotis, and uh, I drove my HS truck out there, and I parked at their house, and they was all over to the meat shack, their barn, which is about 300, 200 yards, and they was uh, skinning elk. So, oh, I'm out of the truck. I get out, I start walking over to them, and I get about three-fourths of the way over there, guys. I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> you know, elevation. I'm serious. It's about eight, nine thousand feet elevation. Man, I ain't never experienced nothing like that. Mm-hmm. 
I thought I yep. was past. I said, something's wrong with me. Well, one of the things I suggest that people do before you go out west, drink lots of water. Take aspirins uh, uh, every day, one aspirin a day. Drink lots of water before you get out west. That'll help you acclimate a lot quicker. Would you agree, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and uh, I think I think that's pretty average. Uh, you know, if if you know your body a little better or, or been around that stuff, do it. You know, whatever worked last time. But uh, you know, but don't go out there thinking. That's your he-man, and it's not yeah. going to happen to you because there's chances are it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think this has been a wonderful show with great information. We'd like to have you on again, Ryan. Maybe we can get you to call in from out there, out west, uh, maybe here in a couple of weeks. Give us a report. Tell us what's going on and what tactics are working. Would that be possible? Yeah, it would be. Uh, uh, you just have to shoot me a text, and I'll have to figure out where and when I'll have some service. Okay. and. uh I try to be at a spot. Uh, some of those, some of those volcanoes will have service on them, and other ones is dry bones. So I hear you. Uh, I hear just you. have to plan it out. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Don't forget, we got the bonus segment coming up, and what we're going to talk about in the bonus segment: some of his tricks and tactics, and we're going to share a hunt or two with all of you. Once in specific that I had with Jimmy Hill and Ryan was in camp and with my cameraman, Danny Barker. I'll never forget it. We're going to share those stories and tactics that will work for you. And uh, I'm turning it back over to Wayne. He's going to talk about the bonus segment. Yeah, to listen to the bonus segment, just go to your favorite podcast carrier, click on American Roots Outdoors, and you can catch the last three and a half years' worth of our shows. If you missed any of today's radio show, again, just go to your podcast, and you'll be able to hear the show in its entirety. Again, leave us a review, leave your full name and the state you're from, so when we draw a winner, you will be. Uh, we can get a hold of you. Yeah, one more thing. How can people contact you, Ryan, to book a hunt if they're interested? Uh, well, I'm looking for, uh, working for Black Mountain Outfitters uh, is who to get a hold of. I could give you my number, okay? Uh, but I usually just push people on to the office guys because okay. they're, the, they're the ones in charge and, and uh, they know the scheduling. Okay, Black Mountain Outfitters, ask for Ryan Caps to be your guide. Thank you all again for listening. Don't forget the bonus segment. It must be a podcast listener. We're on every podcast carrier available. If you want to learn more about elk hunting, you got to catch this segment and the bonus segment. And as we always say here, share the outdoors with somebody you love, a friend, a family member, a kid. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry. What the wind might do American Roots Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Accurate, deadly, dependable, Hornady Ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady, each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly, simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Hornady Ammunition presents...
Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, the bonus segment. If you're listening to this, you must be a podcast listener. We are on every podcast carrier available. Our subject matter today is elk hunting and with Ryan Caps, an outfitter guide that's elk hunted for over 20 years. And uh, we're dedicating this show to our friend, Jimmy Hill, who lost his life uh, last week. And uh, it's a sad deal. But... Uh, Ryan, I want to share a hunt with you real quick with Wayne Redbone, if I may, with Jimmy. We was hunting uh, close to Chama. We was in Chama area. We was hunting next to an Indian reservation. You know the farm I'm talking about. We drove in. Yes, sir. We walked a half a mile up this mountain, which took an hour and 15 minutes to get to the top of it. It was that steep. You know what I'm talking about, Ryan. Oh, yeah. How many times you walked that mountain? Uh, several, it just depends on where the elk were at. You know, I yeah. tried not to go that way unless I had to. <laughs> yeah. Well, he always took us up this mountain and I'll never forget it. We get to the top of the mountain and we had so much land before it went to the bottom. And if you know anything about elk hunting, these elk will bed on the mountains in the glades where it's dark and cool. In the evenings, they get up out of their beds and, and, a bull, a bugle, you'll hear them down halfway down this mountain, but they're going to the bottoms where the pastures are at, the parks. They call them the parks. And in the mornings, as it's breaking daylight, the bulls will ease back up the mountain to bed. So we go, the first time I want to forget, we go in the morning, we, before daylight, hour and 15 minutes to top this mountain, it's breaking light, and it, you can hear elk bugling, for, like listening for turkeys. And all of a sudden, the wind changed and started blowing from us down that valley. It was breaking daylight, and I'm thinking, man, we're going to kill this one of these bulls. We're Jimmy looked at me and looked at the cameraman. He goes, we're out of here. I said, yeah. why are we, what? I said, why are we out of here? I said, Jimmy, that, we got four or five bulls right down here. Alex, he said, the wind is switching, and it's swirling. They will wind us. There's no way we can work these bulls. We're going to leave. We're going to come back. We walked another hour. It took quicker to get back down, about an hour to get back down to our truck. We went to another spot. When the wind was right, we went back that evening, got on a bull. Jimmy called me in a, a nice, I don't know, 285, 290s bull, and I stroked him at 35 yards, heart shot him. i never forget it. We had to yeah, make— and you would— yeah, you ahead. wouldn't have got that opportunity had you stayed there that morning and blew those elk out. Yeah, because they wouldn't bed they there. Go, they wouldn't bed there. Yeah, that's right. And and when elk leave, you know, when they get them a big old nose full, they run for miles. They they you know wherever they turn their nose is home. That's yeah. what people don't understand. There's groceries on every side of the fence and water, mm. just about every direction. They don't have to come back because they're not they're not territorial like a whitetail. Anyway, yeah, that's a great point. Bull heart shot him. We watched this bull stand with his head drooping, blood pumping out both sides of him for 30 minutes after I shot him. He would not die, Wayne Redbone. Then all of a sudden, I thought, well, I'm just going to slip up there and shoot him again. Jimmy said, go ahead, slip up. Well, I slipped up there. He took off walking. Like he sits me. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And you remember Jimmy telling you this story, Ryan. Another bull oh, yeah. comes in and kills that bull that I shot, finished him off. We could we got all the audio on camera. We couldn't get the footage, but he finished my bull off. 
It took us three trips to skin to get that elk out of there. Now think about that. They are just yep. slightly bigger than a whitetail, though. Yeah, <laughs> just slightly. Yeah. Yeah. The antlers weigh as much as a doe. So, yeah. so, so people better be in shape when they go out west. Is all I've got to tell them. If, if you're candy, you're not going to make it. I'm just going to tell you. If you're a bow hunter, uh, rifle hunter, you better be willing to walk. And these places where we hunted didn't allow four wheelers or UTVs. We walked everywhere, and uh, that's well. One that's the, mm-hmm. that's how that's how you keep them on private ranches. If you go in there and gang busting and hunting wrong and and uh, roading it all up with ATVs and stuff. I'm not saying you can't do that where they're used to seeing you know a ranch truck or something, but uh, they they know what pressure is. They sure do. Now, Ryan, I know. With the limited amount of time we have on the bonus segment here, we can't really get into a whole lot of the calling and stuff like that. But you know, let's talk for a minute about like some of the like your got top, two minutes, like your top problem that you would find, you would run into with a bull. You know, it, it, is it a bull hanging up like a turkey? You know, and if that's the case, you know, what do you do to change things back into your favor? The the, the top problem with uh, with what you say now, with, with hung a, up with a bull, he's hung up, he won't count. Yeah, well, the biggest deal is making realistic sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just a quick story. I was I was guiding Tiffany when Lee and Tiffany came to see us, and I was trying to get her and the cameraman Mark. I said, "Go, go, go! Get up to this spring. This bull's up there in the spring." And uh, anyhow, he catches them slipping up there. They they had a big spruce tree they needed to stay behind, and anyhow, they got caught slipping. But he, he takes off, and there's another bull coming down the mountain, and he's hung up right there. And I go running up to him, and I said, Tiff, get here. Mark, get over here. And so they're looking at me in, in panic, and I go grab just one of the biggest sticks that I could pick up, and I just start beating the water and just raking the water like it's a bull in there just splashing and raking horns because they sound like a dump truck. They do. You know, rolling off a mountain. Elk make a lot of noise. And she looks at me. And I'm like, she said, oh, my God, you're the best elk god I've ever had. I said, we don't have time for that. Get over here. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, she barely, she barely had time to get out of the way, and the bull comes crashing down the mountain right into this wallow and splashing mud all over us. But it just turned out to be, a, you know, a five-by-five, and she was wanting to hold out for something that was a little bit more TV-worthy. Mm-hmm. But it made a heck of a heck of, you know, the footage was awesome. But, you know, it's realistic sounds. It's mm-hmm. it's the calling and know when to call, uh, you know, raking the tree a little bit, but not too aggressive. I mean, uh, bulls don't want to fight. Most of them don't want to. They're not trying to get challenged. They'd just rather herd their girls and go the other way. They're kind of cowards, honestly. So yeah. when you really get one in a rage and bugle him in, you know, that's a pretty odd thing, honestly. It is, yeah. Now, are, are they like turkeys if you get one that's really going off but he hangs up? Are, are, like a turkey, you would just stop calling, and then their the curiosity will kill them because sometimes they'll, they'll come sometimes. in. I tell you what really sets them off too is when you go to glunking at them. Uh, if you know what glunking is, it's like yeah, it's just, it's realistic sounds. You know, it's something they're used to hearing, and and uh, because the other bull that could be calling at the other one, he may not be. You know, he's pretty timid. He's like, well, I, you know, that guy over there is making me mad. Yeah. But I'm just not quite ready to run in there and whoop him yet. Yeah. You know, I kind of like to see what he looks like. Yeah. You want to sound like a young bull, just real high-pitched shrills. And, and, and if you do any glunking, that's challenging, too. 
you know, but but you're yeah. right. Very few of them, you know, some will take a dominance challenge and, and come in. But uh, usually when they do, they're usually the herd bulls. They're usually dominant. Right. Yeah. Yeah, usually. Yeah, and you really, you really need to be in that zone. I mean, you need to be less than 100 yards uh, a lot of times when that happens, unless there are automatic coming to you. If you're up country, they're coming that way, you know, you can get away with some sounds. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's just knowing the right calls and exactly. when to make them, and that comes that comes with a lot of time. You know, a lot of exactly. people call just to hear themselves call, and they don't really know what they're saying. <laughs> uh, kind of like turkey so hunters, kind of like Wayne well, Rock right. when I turkey up with Wayne. <laughs> He's over here smirking. <laughs> Sounds like a turkey. Well, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. like writing a sentence out and putting all the words scrambled around. Yeah, you know, if right. you don't put it in the right content, then. Yeah. Uh, then then it's just not right so uh but knowing the right thing to say but yeah if they get hung up it's good that you got a guy got a guy or maybe two guides and they'll actually listen to you and stay put Mm -hmm. because the more you can squeeze back away from that bull yeah the further in he may come but you know he may not want to close that last hundred yards because he's like eh but you know when you're 250 yards out he just came that 150, if that makes any sense. So yeah. if you can keep your man way out front and back the collar up, sometimes you have to do that, and then they walk right into the lap of the bow hunter. There you have it, folks. Ryan Capps, Master Elk Guide. He has shared some unbelievable knowledge with us. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Hill, I hope you're up there listening to us. We're, we're, we're contributing this to you. This is your tribute, man. Thank you for introducing myself and Ryan Caps to elk hunting. Uh, you'll truly be missed, uh, Jimmy. We yes, he you, will. Buddy. Yeah. We love you, Jimmy. Thank you for listening. And like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.